the reason that a lot of influencers mess up and a lot of people in general mess up is they say everything about what they want to in 15 seconds and not use the other 15 seconds or 30 more seconds to really explain it and have each one be a swipe up. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. Today is going to be a real treat for you because you actually get to peek inside of one of my elite mastermind calls when I sit down and we do Q&A with the legendary Dan Fleischman. Now, if you guys don't know who Dan is, then, well, honestly, you must be living under a rock because he is one of the most brilliant, most accomplished entrepreneurs that I have ever met in my life. And his ambition is only paralleled by his love of contribution and generosity. So he totally resonates with exactly what the show is all about. Now, his core business is this massive marketing agency. It's mostly a social media marketing agency called Elevator Studio. Get this. He's spent over $60 million on influencer marketing on social media. Over $60 million on influencer marketing. So he knows exactly where to put your marketing dollars and how they're going to pay off. And we do a deep dive into that so that you can do it with your business when it comes to getting your brand out there. He's also the youngest founder of a publicly traded company. And what I love about him so much is he's the founder of the Model Citizen Fund, which creates backpacks for the needy with over 150 supplies in them. And he has supplied thousands and thousands of people with these backpacks to give them a better life. Now, we're going to talk about where he sees all the opportunity has gone in this post-COVID world. And I think a lot of his ideas are going to surprise you. I know they're ideas that I did not think of, and they're going to get your your creative juices going. We're also going to talk about uh, where to be and, and what to do in social media next. I mean, this guy owns the social media world. He works with nothing but A-listers and mega brands and celebrities and massive influencers. And so he's got the inside scoop. As a matter of fact, he helps to control where social media is going next. So we're going to talk about in the next few years, where should we all be putting our effort and our money on what platforms and what should we be doing and what should we be saying? And then we're going to get into his acts of generosity. Now, what makes this episode really cool is it's a Q&A. So not only is it my questions that I'm asking him, but it's questions from a lot of our elite mastermind members. And so you're going to get to understand not only what I want to know from him, but also when you're in one of our masterminds, what access looks like to people like this and what kind of questions you get to ask. So when I say you're in for a real treat, this is like something that we haven't done before. And you're going to absolutely love getting this peek behind the curtain as to the real stuff that we are teaching. And if you like what you hear, by the way, you can go to apply to get into one of the, the next mastermind openings that we have coming up. All you have to do is go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Now that's the elite one, fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. You have to be making a half a million dollars a year or more in your business in order to apply for that one. But if you are and you like this call, this is just like a sliver, a sliver 
of what we teach and what we get into. So go check it out. Fill out the application at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind so that you can join this group of like-minded, high-performing individuals, most of them that are seven figures and above, that are absolutely locking arms and crushing it. Go check it out. fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. First come, first serve in order of your applications. All right, so get ready because we're lifting the curtain and you're about to learn from one of the absolute marketing legends, Dan Fleischman. First of all, thank you so much for being here. First question is this. What is something positive that has shifted for you or that you've learned coming out of this whole COVID situation? So the main thing that I've learned is that people can effectively run their companies from home. But again, I still believe there needs to be a hybrid. So a lot of people are saying, oh, we don't need an office anymore. We're just going to not have an office whatsoever. You still learn better being able to walk by Becky because she's working in HR, being able to walk by John, he's working on this. Like You still learn better to be able to like dive into projects together and go to lunch together and go to coffee together. And like you know, interacting with your staff and interacting with your coworkers and bosses is still important. But I've learned that efficiency-wise, it can still be run really, really well as far as execution. I just think now we've realized, hey, maybe we don't need $40,000 in couches and furniture for our, our startup company. Hey, maybe we don't need 16 plasma TVs. We don't actually use anything but one or two of them. I think people are just realizing, um, and all of us are, about what we spend overhead-wise on our companies and ourselves. And this was a big wake-up call for that. Yeah, it has been for me, man. So I'm, I'm glad that you actually touched on that. If you had to name a few emerging trends or really cool business ideas that you think have been born out of this going forward, what would some of those be? Yeah, so obviously, delivery has gone through the roof. You've watched Instacart. They had to hire 300,000 people. Now another quarter of a million people. So even though we've lost 33 million in growing jobs, millions and millions and millions of new jobs are being forged because of this from existing companies and from new companies. Existing companies being the obvious, Walmart, Amazon, grocery stores. These guys are hiring 100,000 to a million employees each. I mean, the numbers are staggering when it comes to that side. But the delivery side is going to go through the roof. And you're seeing a lot of unique businesses of people that they used to have a maid service, but now they have a cleaning service where they actually come in and hose down your place, your office each morning. Storage units are going to go through the roof. So if you ever invested or thought about investing in storage units, there is going to be a massive shortage of storage units this year because they were always busy, right? Storage buildings, storage units were always packed. Now, with all these offices and homes downsizing, it's you know a restaurant, a gym, a bar, a business, an office building closes down or downsizes, where do they put their stuff? It doesn't just magically go somewhere, right? And so storage is going to go through the roof on that. I really think uh, an interesting business is consignment. Those same businesses are now going to have to sell that stuff. And if somebody had a big warehouse that they don't use anymore, or they had a big office that they don't need as much space there, bringing in people's stuff, whether it's furniture, artwork, office supplies, electronics, etc., that's a low-risk business because you don't pay anything for that product. If you sell it, you make money. If you don't sell it, you're just taking up space, but you're not risking anything because you're not buying the, the stuff, right? They're just bringing you it um, because they don't know how to sell it. And so I think consignment space is interesting. 
also consignment for people's stuff. Meaning a girl now realizes, hey, I've got 64 pairs of shoes. And then the guy's like, wait a minute, I've got 42 pairs of shoes also. And now they're like, wait a minute, maybe I should sell some of my shoes and belts and shirts and sweaters and leather jackets, et cetera, that I'm just not going to wear anymore. Why do I have four watches? Maybe I'll sell two or three of them. And so that consignment business is also really interesting because again, there's no cost. They just don't know how to put that stuff online and how to put it on eBay. Because on the flip side, there's still massive amount of people buying stuff. Massive. I mean, e-commerce has gone through the roof. And if people can get a discount, they're still shopping. You know, The major fashion brands are still crushing it. You're seeing retail stores close, but you're not seeing Fashion Nova close, right? <laughs> like the, the, big, the big department stores are closing, but the e-commerce stores are going through the roof. So our existing clients at my social media agency, I've spent more in the last seven weeks than I did all year. Like I didn't lose a single client, knock on wood, but they're also spending more because, holy smokes, everybody wants to go online now. And so I started getting new clients that I never expected that are just like, hey, help me immediately. I have to pivot. And so there's a lot of emerging businesses on that side of thinking about what's going to happen. That's what you have to think about this summer. What's going to happen if an office closes down? Well, office space is either going to become, they're going to either move their office furniture or sell it. Okay. Should I be a store or should I sell it? Start thinking about what happens to things. Oh, restaurants are closing down. Well, if they're going to sell their restaurant equipment, maybe you could broker it to sell to other restaurants that aren't closing down. Like I'm an investor in Everbowl. We have 28 locations. We didn't close any down. We reopened them all to, uh, last Friday. Along the way, we pivoted where we actually added on a feature where we ship. It's called Later Bowl. So Ever Bowl is the restaurant. Later Bowl, we ship to people nationwide. Two months ago, that didn't exist. We, this was caused because of coronavirus. We created a whole new division that's really working and actually getting reorders every single week. It's a fascinating new business for a company that's normally a small 500 square foot acai bowl location is now shipping acai bowls nationwide. So looking at what are the things that are going to happen to people's businesses, and it's, it's a bit frustrating because you're looking at it like, man, I don't want to profit because these restaurants are closing or these gyms are closing or these offices are closing. However, the reality is these gyms are closing, these restaurants are closing, things have to happen. And so if you can help with that and make money from it, then everybody's winning. Man, I love that. There's so many things that I didn't even think about, like consignment, storage, that kind of thing that's being born out of this. I love the shift that you made with Everbowl. Um, another question about a shift I've seen you make recently. I saw you pivot and launch cleanmask.com uh, so quickly. At least from the outside looking in, it looked like it was like that. How did you pivot that so quickly? And could you describe to us what it is? Sure. So... I was getting bombarded and you might've seen this on social or getting texted about it where everybody was trying to broker masks and sanitizer and PPE equipment. And they're all trying to hustle and broker these mega deals and all this nonsense and barely any of those ever actually closed. So I wanted to resolve the situation because I was getting bombarded by people that like, this friend has a $300 million company. This one's got 80 million, 40 million. So I trusted them. They still couldn't close those deals. And I didn't want to be involved in it because I don't want to be involved in something that doesn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. So I took it upon myself to fill up four warehouses of supplies in Los Angeles so that I knew if somebody actually wanted this stuff, whether it's sanitizer, gloves, custom-made masks for their staff, et cetera, I don't sell medical masks. I don't deal with that. That's, that's meant for hospitals and the government. This is all for the general public. 
and for small businesses. I said, you know what? Let me fix this and put it all into Los Angeles where people could literally show up and pick it up, not wait for it to come from China or hope that it's going to get made or prepay and then not happen. I want it to be very straightforward. If somebody wants to buy this stuff or sell this stuff, it's right here in LA. You can show up and pick it up or we'll ship it to you same day. And so at the same time, I was frustrated with these 33 million, now 36 million unemployment numbers. Obviously, it's not going to stay that number. It'll come back down as people get back in. But even if it ends up being 15 or 20 million, I mean, that's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create jobs. And so I started hiring people. I hired full time executives. I hired part time people. I flew people in that used to work for me to come back to work for me. So I wanted to hire people for my company to help stimulate the economy from that side of it. But I also wanted to make it where people that just wanted to earn extra income, that's where I came up with that 1099 reps. So if you can't come work for me full-time, totally understand. If you don't want to work for me full-time, totally understand. I can't hire infinite people, obviously. On the 1099 side, if somebody is living in Alabama and they want to sell to the local community, to their local restaurants, gyms, offices, real estate people, etc., they could now sell these products and we would ship it for them the same day. And I made all the prices affordable so that these people can make commission. It's affordable for the, the restaurants or bars, etc., And then I would match it and donate. So I didn't build a business to make money for myself. Not that that's bad, by the way. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that it allows me to be able to donate more because I'm donating 225,000 supply items already. Now, if I can make money doing it and buy more items, I can just donate all that stuff too to hopefully get to half a million or a million items, right? So my goal was if I can create jobs, make the product more effective, make it streamlined that it's actually here and ready to ship today and take out all the brokers and middlemen that shouldn't actually be in the space. And again, nothing wrong with being a broker or middleman if you can execute. That's the most important thing is if you promise a chain store, you're going to sell it to them or you promise 36 gyms that you're going to show up with their sanitizer, you got to actually do it. Because during those one, two or three weeks that they're waiting, a lot of people are getting screwed over because they think it's coming and it's not. Then they, they have to start the process over again. They've lost three weeks where they needed that sanitizer or those gloves or those masks, et cetera, to reopen. And so what I do is I look for inefficiencies in a market. So what happened was when the hoverboards happened a couple of years ago, I, I decided, wait, hoverboards are 1500 bucks and 1800 bucks. That's way too expensive. What if you have two kids? You're going to spend $4,000 on two toys. That's insane. So I came and said, I'm going to make it for half the price, add on all these fancy lights and Bluetooth speakers, and order five to 10,000 units at a time in LA at the same warehouse. And so while other people, a mom was trying to buy it and it waits four to six weeks for it to show up from China, well, that mom's going to look silly in four to six weeks because the kid's not going to care about it in four to six weeks. What kid cares next month about the toy they want today? So I fixed an inefficiency by making it half price, placing it in Los Angeles, shipping same day, and making it more affordable and effective. So I look for that in each market. And that's where cleanmask.com came from was people need this stuff, but there's a lot of vultures trying to overcharge for things. They're, they're not able to ship on time. They don't actually have the product. They're selling something that they don't have. It's like, I want to fix all that. And that's where that came from. It's one of the coolest, fastest pivots I've ever seen. Begs the next question. And that is all of this stuff seems in high demand right now. And we've seen people you know, charging absorbent amounts for it. How did you source enough to fill all these warehouses and keep it affordable for everybody? So 
What happens is there's always a lag period when there's demand, meaning at the very beginning of COVID-19, that first month, you saw every news article, every situation, every broker. You saw like um, the government was getting in trouble or talked about talked crap about because they were trying to buy $7 masks that were only two or three bucks and overpaying 50 million, 10 million, all these crazy numbers. That was the first month. During that time is where everybody thinks they're an expert. Same thing happens in cryptocurrency. Same thing happens in all these different spaces. When something pops cannabis, all of a sudden, everybody's a cannabis expert. Everybody's a crypto expert. So the same thing happened with PPE, with these personal protective equipment products. Everybody came into the space and thought that they could do it. What happens on the second and third month during those type of situations is oversupply. So what happened was when you saw in cannabis and CBD markets, everybody went crazy, started raising zillions of dollars, opening all these places, and the stock market for cannabis and CBD went to 4x, 8x, 10x, 20x valuations, right? Now what happened? It crashes because everybody got into the space. Now there's thousands of CBD brands. There's hundreds of different cannabis-related facilities. Same thing happened here. Everybody jumped in thinking they could do stuff, and so they would ordered all these massive amounts. Products started to land, and then there was this interesting scenario where the, the brokers started to fade away because they weren't actually closing deals, and now there's a lot of inventory in town. And so what I did was I started buying from people in these situations, saying, hey, you've got 400,000 of these masks, place them in my warehouse, I'll buy X amount. Hey, you've got 62,000 gloves, great. I literally just bought 62,000 gloves 20 minutes before this call. Mm-hmm. Wasn't planning on buying them 21 minutes ago. 20 minutes ago, I bought them because he bought all these gloves. He doesn't know why he did it. He's just a guy that owns like a, a real estate office and he thought he was going to be a broker. And he was like, I don't know what to do. I bought 62,000 gloves. What do I do? I said, okay, I'll, I'll buy them from you. I have a guy that owns a big nightclub. I bought from him hazmat suits, K95 masks, and gloves because he thought he was slick. He spent a couple hundred grand buying products because he owns a big nightclub in LA. And he's like, I'm going to sell millions. I'm going to be even richer. He bought them all. He didn't know how to sell them. And so they were sitting in his garage. His wife got mad at him. And so she called me and I bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's, I started getting product because people just came to me knowing I was in the space or trying to help people in the space. And that's how I was able to accumulate all these different products. Oh, dude, that's so amazing. I love it. Okay, guys, by the way, as you have questions starting to form, raise your blue electronic hand, hover over your name, click your name, and click raise hand. That's the order that will go in once we get to the open Q&A part. So I want to touch on another piece of cleanmass.com. You said... For all the equipment you're selling, you're also donating. Uh, is it an equivalent amount? No. So I don't know how much I'm going to sell. Yep. So I've already committed to those 225,000 items. I've already donated a bunch of them. And so I'm just going to play it by ear as far as that goes. I'm not doing one for one because I can't. Some things I only make a 5 or 10% margin. Yep. Some things I make no margin because I just want the process to happen. Today, I got a request for somebody that wants to buy for um, Walmart. Mm-hmm. And the Walmart order is for like $1.82. Well, the cost basis is like $1.80. So I'm going to lo- not even like, I don't know if I'll lose money or break even on just the shipping alone is going to screw it up. But I still want it to happen because it's not for Walmart to sell, it's for their staff. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to make money on that. If it's for your staff and everybody else is screwing over, I'm happy to help, right? So I can't do one for one in that sense because I don't want to commit to something that's not real. Mm-hmm. I'm committing that I'm already donating 225,000 items no matter what, whether I sell anything or not. 
So if I can get more money in, I will spend more to, to buy more and donate. Dude, that, that is so cool. What, where at, this, go ahead. Go ahead. at the end of this, whatever I have left, I'm just going to donate anyway. So. You're, you're, you're absolutely amazing. So let's talk a little bit more about this generosity piece. We talked about it a lot with both masterminds. You spoke on it uh, when you came and, and visited and taught our elite level mastermind in January. Tell us again, where does this heart of generosity come from? Because one of the things you're, you're most known for, despite all these business accomplishments, um, is obviously your model citizen fund, where you've been creating these backpacks full of supplies. So where does this come from? It was, I kept doing all these charity events for so many years, like from the year 2001 to 2009, I must've done, I don't know, 200 charity events. And it came from a bit of frustration that I would raise $142,000 and give them a check on Sunday night from a charity poker tournament. And then Monday morning comes around, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, next week, and I never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. And so not to say they did anything wrong with the money, but I just didn't get to see what happened. And I rallied all my friends to donate. And I want to know, I want to be able to tell my friends what happened. right? Mm-hmm. And so I just created a charity that was very simple. I make backpacks for the homeless with 150 items inside. And I give it to homeless, women abuse shelters, and teen abuse shelters. That's it. So it's a very straightforward. I'm not curing cancer. I'm not curing AIDS. There's lots of great organizations doing those things. I can't raise billions of dollars to do that. I know what I can do. I'm really good at raising six figures, six figures, six figures, seven figures, six figures, that type of amounts. So if somebody wants to do it, I can send the backpacks to their homes. They can go give it out. doesn't have to be me donating. And I also want people to just replicate me. Mine's a 0% charity. So all my staff, all my overhead, all my marketing, all my events, I pay for that personally. So if somebody donates 100 bucks here, $100 goes to the backpacks. But they can just replicate it. Like... What we're doing is not rocket science. You can make a backpack yourself and fill it up with items and give it to people in your local town. You can do it with Ziploc bags. You can do it with grocery store bags. You can do it with no bags, right? I'm just making it more efficient by putting 150 items that I'm getting for less than wholesale or donated to make it more efficient for people. But I don't go out asking for donations. I just show people what I'm doing and hope that they can replicate it in their own sense in their own city. That's incredible, man. I absolutely love the way you show up as, as such a giver. A couple more questions before I turn it over to the, the crew here. Um, let's talk about going from giving, which is heart-centered, to something wildly, sometimes shallow, <laughs> the dichotomy of what we discuss here, and that is social media, because you're, you've got such a good finger on the pulse of social media. It feels like engagement is difficult right now. I know your agency has it mastered at all times. You see all trends coming. What are you seeing in social media and what, where should we be placing our chips? Sure. So what's frustrating for people on engagement is Instagram mostly because Instagram has an algorithm that's really, really dumb. It's the most frustrating thing in technology history uh, and social media history. They've ruined the best platform in history by creating an algorithm that is so, 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 so dumb. And again, I've spent more on Instagram than anybody in history. And it's not close. And I say that because it's frustrating that I am now not able to spend what I could or should spend to help the economy. Mm-hmm. I should be spending hundreds of millions instead of 60 because I want to, my brands want to, they won't and they can't because somebody with, if, if Kara has 100,000 followers, only 2 to 7% of Kara's followers are going to see her post. That's insanity. You know why? Because 100% of those people click the follow button willingly. They were willingly there. They said, I want to follow Kara. I want to see what she's doing. She makes great yellow shirts. She knows fitness and health. I want to follow her. I want to see what she's up to. 
the fact that two to seven percent of those people are the only ones that see it is absurd. Like absolutely absurd. They the technology, the guys behind it are too smart for their own good. Right? They think that they will make more money by cutting our reach or showing us what we what they think we want to see. They think that I want to see my nephew's posts every single time because I always like my nephew's posts. No, I have to like my nephew's posts or I'm going to get a text or a call about it. I have to like his posts. But they think I want to see that first. They also think that I don't want to see my main competitor's posts because I never like my main competitor's posts. Believe me, I want to see my main competitor's posts every single time because I want to know what they're doing. Right? I'm never going to like or comment on my main competitor's posts ever in history. You couldn't pay me to do it. I'm never going to engage on their posts. However, I want to see it. I want to know when I'm selling eight foot teddy bears, if they're selling nine foot teddy bears, I want to know why. I want to know how. If I'm selling them for 200 bucks, they're selling for 160, I want to know how and why. But the algorithm tells us that that's not what we want to see, and we want to see our nephew's posts. So there is frustration there. However, you should still be creating your content for Instagram and then repurposing that content on each of the other platforms. What that means is make your videos or photos for Instagram, which is the main platform that we all think about and talk about. Take that exact same caption, that exact same picture or video, and post that on Twitter and Facebook. If it's business related, post it on LinkedIn. This will save you a lot of time because you can make your main content for one main platform like Instagram and then just repurpose it for the other platforms. If it's short form video under 60 seconds, you can post it on TikTok. A lot of people think that TikTok is just dancing around videos and everybody's going to have, you know, they have to have their puppies dancing around with them. Like that's not how, it's not how it works. My business videos on TikTok do better than anything silly because People still want to see that stuff. So what's fascinating about TikTok is even with a smaller following, you can end up getting thousands of views, tens of thousands of views, and hundreds of thousands of views. It's really crazy. On six of my business videos, I have 200,000 to 400,000 views. But my following is only 10 to 20,000 followers. See the difference? I'm getting 1,000 to 2,000% more people seeing my content than is my actual following. My wife, when she first had 2,000 followers, she got 1.6 million views on a video when she had 2,000 followers of her touching a wall, right? We talked about this at one of your events. Yeah. This is like, it's insanity. So what, why that matters? You still want to be on TikTok in case you can get 1.6 million views for touching a wall because that could lead to something else. If you sell a fitness book, if you sell a cookbook, if you have a charity, if you have a career, if your kids have a clothing line, you want to promote it. Having exposure and having followers is useful when you need it at some point. If you don't need it, you can just be building up that goodwill for that time later. It may not be for you. It might be for a charity that you love, a business that you like, your significant other has a company, your grandma started knitting handmade sweaters like, and you want her, she wants you to post about it. Having a following is useful to have. And so you just want to be on every platform just in case something happens that you want to be promoting. Yeah, that makes great sense. Ever since you came and talked, we've put a lot of effort into TikTok and, and you guys can go see the different types of things that we're experimenting with over there. Had nothing go viral yet, but it's, an ent- it's always an experiment until you kind of crack the code. So um, would you be placing your marketing efforts on Instagram still? Any 
thing around that? Like, should we be checking into hiring influencers like you do to do shout outs? Like what's, talk to me yeah. about the next level of marketing on social sure. media. So on the paid media side, Instagram and Facebook are still obviously always going to win. Facebook ads beat everything on the planet. Facebook ads are the most measurable. It just works. If you spend 10 bucks and you get back 18, you know you should spend 10 bucks more. If you spend 100 bucks and get back 24, spend every, you know, like as you're spending, it won't, let, it won't let you go waste 20 grand today on Facebook. It's just not an option. So Facebook ads are obviously always going to be the best. Instagram is the best for branding. It not always is going to be direct conversions. So an influencer can post you. You may gain the following and potentially sales and some clicks, but you may not get all those sales or those things that happen that you expect on that day. There's a lot of reasons. That post could happen and the people watching are in their car. They're next to their significant other. They're at work. They're at school. They're, they're busy. They don't have the volume on. Stuff happens, but they may be exposed to your brand to buy it later. That's also why you want people to post you multiple times, not a one-off. If a fitness influencer just says, hey, I love this apple juice, not all of us are going to be like, oh my God, I want to buy the apple juice this second, right? But if we're all following Kara and she always talks about this apple juice, at some point, we're probably going to buy the apple juice because why does she love it so much, right? Mm. And so you want to think about when you're utilizing influencers to have them part of your brand more than once is, is critical. And so should you pay for shout outs? It depends on what your product or brand is. If you can get a really good price and the exposure and branding and marketing will help you and you can repurpose that, meaning somebody posts you and Joanna, Joanna posts you and Joanna has 84,000 followers in the food space and you have a food company, Joanna might not sell you, send you all that traffic today. right? People are following Joanna Vargas. They love it. She, she cooks great meals and we've always been following her. And then she posts about this new frozen pizza. I might not go buy the frozen pizza today. None of you might either. But on day six, and she's posted it three times and explained the before, during, and after, now we feel a part of it, right? We are interested in why she is like behind this thing. Why does she care about it? Because she normally is cooking pastas and vegetables and vegan food, and now she's talking about this frozen pizza. Why? And so if you're going to work with influencers, it's working with them and having them do around three posts or more. That will get people to really under, feel part of the story. Yeah, that, that makes great sense. Okay. One more question, then I'm going to turn it over to the crew. Guys, raise your blue electronic hand so I can know what order to go in. Um, my last question for now, I'll probably have some more that pop up, um, is this. You're so good at so many things, and I watch you move so efficiently. But of course, all of us aren't good at everything. What's an area of opportunity that you've had to delegate, something that we teach a lot on here, um, in order for you to operate at the level of success that you do? So I delegate the paperwork and lawyer stuff a lot to my CEO. That's, that was a big change in my life. The legal side of things, I'm always delegating. Like I'm overviewing it and telling what I want to be in these things. But the legal side, I don't try to like take the time to be the one doing it. Um, I'm really delegating the execution parts of a lot of things now. And so when I run a social media campaign, I'm, I'm onboarding every single client and coming up with the creative and the caption and what it's going to look like. But then my team does everything else. Like I, if I don't talk to them, I haven't talked to some clients in years because they don't need me. If they're my friend, I talk to them. But if it's like, you know, Oracle and BET, I haven't talked to them in two, two, three years. 
I literally don't even know their names anymore. It's like they just run so smoothly. My staff runs it. Before I had a CEO, that would never have happened. Mm. Ever. I was doing absolutely everything, not sleeping. Like I had to be involved in every single little thing. And I thought that was being more efficient when it wasn't. Mm. Because I don't need to be interacting with the paid post for 180 bucks with this influencer and wondering why the screenshot came in three hours late. Like, why am I doing that? It sounds like you're doing good because you're like, oh, you should be inside every detail of your business. I should know about it, but I don't need to know about every little detail because otherwise it takes me away from the actual job of trying to get another Oracle or another BET or another Fashion Nova or another type of client. And so um, I realized that once I removed myself from that, it made my business much more efficient because I thought my micromanaging was helping when it wasn't. Yeah, I love that, man. Great example. Thank you. All right, so we're going to get into some of the masterminds questions here. Uh, here, guys, remember real quickly your name, what you're grateful for, and then um, lead with my question is so that we don't get too much backstory. I know Dan will do a great job of asking for additional details if he needs some more backstory to, to, to ask it. So, first up is Jonathan. Go ahead, my friend. I've unmuted you. Uh, Jonathan Mackleys, I'm in Los Angeles, and I'm grateful for this beautiful weather that we uh, we've been enjoying here the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is: So we built. Uh, I, I've been building over the past year an inventory platform. We have a ton of like healthcare offices that we work with, and so it was a big gap. We do payment processing, and so we we figured we could add this inventory platform in uh, to solve a big problem that they were having with the payment piece. One thing Chris helped me shape with this was we realized it could ultimately be a platform where we really step in between the manufacturers and the influencers and allow... Because like I go to a gym here, influencers with millions of followers, and you realize they're not really monetizing that and making that much money. And they're you know showing their protein shake that they're making every morning, but they're not really able to monetize that. So we were, we're essentially shifting this platform to be able to do that for influencers. So kind of stepping in between the manufacturer and helping them now be the uh, sales channel for these manufacturers. So what do you see maybe because you deal with a lot of these influencers as like a big problem that they're having the ability to monetize these views that they do have on their stories all day long? Sure. So most influencers don't have a team. So they don't have somebody to build them a website, even if it's a basic Shopify. They don't have a corporation. A lot of them don't have bank accounts. Some of the most famous humans in the history of social media I literally had to help them make bank accounts. Like I'm serious. Like adults didn't have bank accounts. Crazy. So, um, it's be- it's their lack of that that they don't. Uh, when I say they, I don't mean all of them, but there's mm-hmm. a large amount of them that just physically don't have the structure or the team to to be able to interact with a manufacturer, to be able to interact with Shopify, be able to go get a corporation, to be able to get. I know these sound sound basic to us. But a lot of times it just doesn't, it's not natural to them. They're really good at being a fitness influencer or really funny, or whatever it is that they care about or do. A car influencer knows how to create cars and how to fix cars and upgrade cars, doesn't necessarily know how to go deal with a car manufacturer or sell car accessories, even though their fans would love to buy car accessories, right? Because yeah. they're following them for that purpose. And so being that liaison is a big help. Because they just don't have the infrastructure. And most of them will take really interesting deals. Like my joint ventures with influencers and celebrities are a lot of them are 50 50 deals where I'm going to do everything. I build out your site, 
I deal with the warehouse, manufacturing, shipping, customer service. I'm setting up the corporation. I'm putting up all the money. I'm doing the paid media. I'm doing everything. You do what you do. You're a talent. You're a fitness influencer. Fantastic. You're a beauty influencer. Keep making beauty content. You keep making beauty videos. Let me sell your beauty products for you. They don't need to know who I am. I don't want them to know who I am. They don't need to know about the warehouse. You can take all the credit. I don't care about that. I care about the efficiencies in the background that you hate. Right? And so I've done these joint ventures where I'll tell you about a brand. So I co-founded a brand called Talentless. It's a clothing brand with Scott Disick. And he truly, he truly cared. Like He really cared about the brand. He wanted to be right. He spent a year before he even showed it to Kanye and Kim and Kylie and his, his family, his sisters and brothers, essentially. He didn't even show them for a year. During that year, we spent mid-six figures building out an entire clothing brand with the intention that he was only actually have to post once a week. Most people make deals with these influencers that they got to post every single day. You got to live and breathe it. Like, oh, you want to post this? You better post this brand every single day. Like, listen, we get it. Their following is going to get it after a while. You don't need to post it every single day, right? So we actually made it where the influencer was Scott. He only actually posts once a week. In between, we're running paid media every single day towards his audience and audience lookalikes. Things that people that would like somebody like him, right? A, a polarizing character like Scott Disick and the Kardashian-Jenner family. And so I always say you can't scale favors, meaning we gave Talentless, we gave the clothing brands and Kylie posts it, Kim posts it, Courtney posts it. It's great that they post it. You can't scale favors. Meaning I can't, you can't ask them every week or every month to post it. He can give it to them on their birthdays and cross his fingers, right? And so what we try to do is be very realistic of what these influencers can do. What they can do is they're really good at making beauty content. They're really good at making fitness content or food content or car content, etc. Being everything else for them can create really interesting joint ventures. You can take 10 to 50% of them. Some people take 70. Some people I've heard take 90, by the way. So it's not because the hard part is everything else. And I say that I'm not minimizing what it is to be an influencer and how much time it takes to create a 17-minute beauty video. Listen, a 17-minute beauty video takes four, five, six hours. There's a lot that goes into making that beauty video. You see these silly videos of influencers that are just funny that are 42 seconds. That thing took two days. So I don't want to take away from that. But at the end of the day, that's what they live and breathe anyways. And so the business side of it, taking that away from them is... A huge help to them. So if you can do that, be very, very straightforward with what your expectations are from them from the beginning. If you want them to post every single day, say that. I don't recommend it, but say that. If you want them to post twice a week, literally lay it out for them. Because if you don't, you can have a situation where they post four days in a row and then they don't post for three months. Mm-hmm. Not on the contract, they don't know what to do. <clears throat> they get distracted. All of a sudden, they got a movie role. Or they didn't, you know, now they're sad and something happened. They broke up with their sixth girlfriend. Stuff happens. And so you want to prevent those things by just laying it out in advance. Perfect. Thank you. Great answer. Good question. Way to kick this thing off, John. Jonathan. Uh, next up is, let me look at the thing here. James Patrick. James, go ahead. What's going on, James Patrick? Um, I'm grateful for all the fellow Mastermind members I've been able to collaborate with over the last few months. That has been epic. Uh, my question is this. I've, for the last five plus years, been hosting a large in-person conference. And for 2020, we are pivoting all of our focus 
to make our conference online and create a really, really robust virtual experience. And I know you do your weekly elevator nights. And what my question is, is what do you find moves the needle the most that gets people to sign up to attend these virtual conferences, your, your elevator nights? And then what keeps them engaged throughout this process? Sure. So the sign up is things that are going to trigger for them. So a trigger is going to be somebody big name, a category that they care about, and ease, meaning it has to be easy for them. That's why mine were always Sunday nights during the quarantine period. I was Sunday nights. I made it five to eight. So before all the TV shows at eight o'clock, you know, Billions and Jordan, all that stuff was happening. And so I want to make sure I was non-competitive to that. And I make replay videos because I want it to be easy. Um, the speakers, as long as you have a couple key highlights, that will usually help you. The rest, you don't have to have all highlight speakers, obviously. That's not uh, realistic. Having a couple of key speakers or at least one or two keynotes will help with that trigger of like, hey. And they have to be different types of trigger, meaning you need to have a male and a female that are going to trigger somebody to want to watch it. So Sarah Blakely is going to make, boom, I know I'm going to get my female audience to love her, right? Oh, Rachel Hollis, boom, I know I'm going to get it, boom. Lori Harder, boom, I know everybody's going to want, right? Getting those people as your trigger will help with certain categories. You get Damon John, boom, you know you got people in the fashion space, right? Thinking about people that are going to have that niche want to follow or want to watch will help. And those people in niches, I would say the riches are in the niches. So if you can get someone that's in a niche, those people are usually obsessed with them and they're going to repost that they're going to be able to watch them. And so helping with marketing, I try to make it easy for fans to want to repost about it, whether that's an actual contest or something, some kind of bonuses. I make it so that fans want to repost about this speaker. Like, oh my gosh, Sarah Blakely speaking. I love her fashion, blah, 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 blah. Okay, guys. If you repost this, we're going to pick 10 people to get VIP or one person's going to get a Zoom call with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so making that side of it and then how to keep them engaged is staggering. So I'm placing a big name in the beginning, big name in the middle, big name at the end. And in between there, I have, it's called Easter eggs. An Easter egg is where I'm going to be giving out prizes every single hour but you have to be watching live for that to happen. And so I don't have it exactly on the hour every hour. Otherwise, they know when to come watch. So, right, right? Like at 11.45 a.m. right now, all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm giving away this oh, $100 million Academy box. You guys are going to love it. It's $500 for the prizes. Just answer, what does Joanna Vargas like to cook on the weekends? And if you weren't watching, well, I don't know what Joanna cooks unless they were listening to the previous hour, right? And so I try to make those Easter eggs be that thing that, and I always say that it's going to happen though. I don't say when, I say it's going to happen. And I don't do one big prize. Nobody believes you when you give away a car, right? You give away a $500 box of stuff, they believe you. You give away some Steve Aoki headphones, they believe you, right? I'd rather you give away three headphones than try to give away some $1,000 prize or $10,000 prize. Nobody believes that. They want to... It's much better to have lots of winners and doesn't cost you much. Giving away $50, $100, $200, $300 things and giving three or four or five, 10 away will convert infinitely better. When I ran the Ty Lopez campaign for years, 
when he did that 17 weeks of giving away a car, it was such a struggle because every week, every Friday, he was giving away a car. And I had to go with them to car dealerships and show, hey, look, this is John. We're really at the car dealership. Hey, this is the manager of the car dealership. Look, here's the paperwork of the car. Still, all the comments were like, yeah, right, scam, blah, you know? And so I kept saying, hey, let's just give away a thousand bucks a day. Hey, let's give away 300 bucks a day, 500 bucks a day. The engagement was 300 to 600% higher on the thousand dollar giveaways compared to a car, a $25,000 car. Because we don't think we can win that. The same way if I said, hey guys, that's all the 46 of us, 56 of us, we're going to go buy a lottery ticket right now. We don't believe we're going to win the lottery, right? But if I said, hey, out of 56 of us, five of us are going to get 200 bucks cash out to us today. We would all play, right? Because it's just an, it's an easy game. We know one out of 10 of us is actually going to win. And so that's something that you want to make it easy for them. And so I keep my engagement up by doing those giveaways so that they want to be listening, not just casually listening, but they're actually engaged and there's fun stuff that's happening in between. That's awesome. So Thank you so much. Brilliant. There are so many people who are doing various types of e- virtual events on here, whether they're shifting from their physical one or um, uh, you know, creating one from scratch. That thing, that was absolutely brilliant. Okay, next up is... Melissa, go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? Hi. Okay. I'm Melissa. I live in Orange County and I am super grateful for you, Chris, putting this together and for you being here, Dan. Thank you for your time. Okay. So my question is, uh, my business partner and I have a company called Ladies Aligned. And right now it's really more of a personal brand and we really want to... We don't want to be the faces of the company. We want to kind of set it aside. And um, recently with COVID, we've made a pivot like most people. And we're moving away from doing one-to-one coaching and group coaching and mentorship. And per Chris's guidance, we're going to move it to more of a, a content blog slash media brand um, where we're just repurposing a ton of other people's content and um, really women that fall in line with our vision and, and we want to help people get their message out there. So um, this is new for me. I really don't know a whole lot about blogging and media. So I'd love your insight on um, if you were going to get into this industry, what are some things that you would be looking at and thinking about and how would you monetize it or thinking, be thinking about monetizing? Sure. So you need to have your blog set up on a site like Medium or WordPress. Medium is done... Uh, listen, WordPress powers almost one-fifth of the internet. But Medium is a fantastic platform for this, for blogging, um, you won't go wrong using either. And some people say, say to do both. So it's up to you on that. I would lean towards medium for you on this one. Your YouTube channel is critical because your YouTube channel, whether you get 400 views or 4,000 views, it just lives forever. It's evergreen content and you don't know who will stumble upon you. And so having your name, having your brand, having your keywords embedded on YouTube is important. Because YouTube is the number two search engine in the world. It's owned by the number one search engine in the world called Google. And so when people Google something that's anywhere in your space of ladies aligned, if they see it on Google, what's Google going to do? It grabs on the internet like a spider web, pulls to the top, relevant content. What's more relevant to Google than YouTube, the company that they own? And so you really want to embed yourself in the internet from that standpoint because your Medium blog will help you but then your YouTubes will also help you. You want rankings and search. You want anytime somebody searches any words 
predicated or thought about or anything in your world to come back to you. So it's almost like backlinks. Same reason you want press articles about you is for backlinks. Because backlinks means you have authority and credibility to Google. Okay. Next is think about all the different platforms that you can place your content on. LinkedIn will be very important for this. Pinterest is hard to do that type of content. However, Pinterest is 74% women who are spending over an hour and a half at a time on there in their sessions. So if you can have a Pinterest profile, you want one, even if it's not necessarily the same style of content you would create, you still want women to come into your circle, into your world, and you can show them, hey, check out my Medium blog, check out my YouTube, check out my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, etc. Twitter is important, but it's hard to gain a, a following there. You still need it and want it because you can interact with people via Twitter at extreme speed. Big, big people. You could tweet at Jessica Alba, Sarah Blakely, Gary Vee, and they are seeing it. Whether they respond every time or not, they are seeing it. They're getting top of mind awareness with you. And it is, it is that one platform that you can get a hold of VCs, everybody in the space. They're just, their Twitter is that platform for it. So you may not gain a big following there, but you want to be on there. Um, and then you have to consider on the podcast side, whether you're going to have one or at least get active and get on to people's podcasts in your world. So I'm not saying you're going to go jump on Joe Rogan's podcast, right? I'm saying go find the smaller and medium-sized podcasts and jump on those. Even if they only have an audience of 4,000 or 20,000 or 3,000, those followers are going to be very useful for you because they got to listen to you for an hour talking about what you do, who you are, and why you are. And that will make them want to buy into your world and your partner's world. And so those podcasts cost you nothing. All these podcasters need good people to come on there. So if you're like, hey, I'm Melissa. Me and my partner created this business. We've already got this, 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 a lot happening. I would love to jump on your podcast. They're going to want you to jump on before you even ask. because, And as you do it, you're going to get asked to jump on a bunch more. And so you just have to make a decision. If you don't want to be front-facing in this, that's fine. Then don't make your own podcast. If you are going to be front-facing, make your own podcast. Otherwise, you still want to get on to these other podcasts, whether it's you or your partner or somebody that's kind of the front-facing person, because that traffic is also evergreen. People still go back and listen to podcasts from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I get messages every single day from podcasts I did three years ago. I'm like, how did you even hear that? But that person just got more and more famous, right? I did the Wolf of Wall Street's first podcast ever. He's done 100 or 200 or 300 since then. They still go back and listen to it because now he's gotten his podcast so big. I did Andy Purcell's podcast two years ago. That podcast is still getting listened to two years later. And so jumping on podcasts is very useful for you. And then from a monetary perspective, how do you monetize it? Traffic is one, like just clearly. Ending up creating your own product or accessories. Getting brand deals. Or becoming an affiliate. And you can be an affiliate for almost anything. You can be an affiliate for Chris Harder's events, Lori Harder's book, their tequila or brand or vodka or martini, their clothing line. You can be an affiliate for uh, OptiGreens or a supplement company or a food company. You can be an affiliate for any brand or product that you believe in. You can become an affiliate for them and it doesn't feel like an ad. 
You're just making it easy for things that you actually like. If you like a hair care product or you like pet accessories, you're like, you know what? I like bow ties for dogs. Great. You can make a, a whole entire link for bow ties for dogs. Most people haven't seen this. I haven't seen this until a month ago. My wife got this. And my little co-host here wears his bow tie for fun, right? We never seen bow ties for dogs before. Go make an affiliate link for that bow tie for dogs, and they'll send you $5, $10, whatever it is per, per sale that goes through there. Your risk basis is zero. There's no cost. You're not buying bow ties for dogs. You're not having inventory. But you can sell it or have fun content about it, and you might make money from it at the same time. And so think about products in your world that you like or you think are cute or interesting or funny. Make content about it, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, and then make your affiliate link embedded into it. Amazing. Does that help, Melissa? <laughs> I saw you writing frantically. All right. So Dan, you're crushing it. Next up is Ms. Joanna Vargas. Thanks, Dan. This is great. I am grateful because Monica just told me that Mac came out with a Selena brand of makeup. So I'm grateful for that. I love it. Question for you. If you were to start all over today with building online, let's say, fitness classes, so it's not a tangible product, what would your strategy be? So it's happening now more than ever because... It's an obvious pivot for many fitness-related influencers. But at the same time, what's being matched is the amount of people that are working out from home. And so you're seeing this huge spike, obviously, in some of people that are creating this type of content or creating these online classes or creating online apps or virtual, virtual situations, virtual trainings. However, it's matched way more by how many people are not going back to the gym because they're either closed or they don't feel comfortable yet. And I think it'll be a slow... Uh, process in a lot of cities for people to go to a large format gym. Walk into 24-hour fitness or Equinox with 600 people, I don't think people are going to do the way, that we, the way that we used to. Right? We're going to look at equipment different. We're going to look at how we touch things differently. It was already weird before and dirty before, and we're always wiping stuff down. Now it will be at, at scale. And so I think the main thing is to make your your version of it as seamless as possible. So however they want to consume your content, make it on every platform, your teasers to then be able to pay you. So on Instagram, you're making your 60 second content showcasing your fitness related content. You're doing that as a teaser to then hopefully they go to the link in bio to buy from you, whether it's virtual class, personal training, whatever you're offering, your PDF, uh, ebook, et cetera, you need to give teasers on every platform, not LinkedIn. So you're not going to do fitness content on LinkedIn. But every other platform from TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, should have these 60-second, 30-second, 90-second type content that is your teaser to want to buy five minutes, five hours from Joanna, right? Whether it's five minutes of like a longer form content or it's five hours of training because I'm going to get a booking session from you. So the teasers are important because that's how you can lead to these sales of any product, PDFs, books, guides, whatever you're selling. And you should be having as many of those different products as you can. Go look at the biggest fitness influencers and just dive into their world. I mean, just literally dive in and say, okay, what does Jen Seltzer have? You may not be, you know, like, you know what? I'm not going to be anything like Jen Seltzer or Paige Hathaway or Anna Sheree. You may not be anything like them. 
However, go see what they're selling. Go see what they're offering. Are they offering an ebook? Great. Maybe you should too. Are they offering a diet plan? Great. Maybe you should too. Are they offering one-on-one Zoom calls for X amount of money? Great. You should too. Make a different rate. Like, Look at what are these people doing and cherry pick. You can do all of them. You can do none of them. But it's better to know what the big influencers are doing or big people in your category are doing and see what you like or don't like. I call it stalking my competitors. I go look at what are my competitors doing and why? How can I fix those situations? How can I use them for myself? And how can I remove the things that people don't like? If people don't like that my cooking guides are for everybody and they should be specific, well, I'm not going to make cooking guides for everybody. I'm going to make them specific. right? If people don't like my Zoom classes are for everybody, great. I'm going to offer both. I'll make Zoom classes that are for 50 people, but I'll also do one-on-one Zoom classes. I'll offer both. So I go and look at what are the people that are big in the space doing, whether I agree with them or not, whether they're your style or not, and just see what you can use for yourself. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. After those teasers, Dan, would you bring them right away to a sales page or would you bring them into like a free thing first? So the funnel for you depends. Meaning if you're going for a big ticket sale, like, hey, my $1,000 or $2,000 or some big package, then you've got to walk them through longer. You may even have to get on the phone with them or a Zoom call with them. If you're going to a $20, $50, $100, $200 type thing, you can take them straight to a sales page. Got it. Try that. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome Q&A. Next up is Lauren. Go ahead. Hello. I'm Lauren Salon. And... I am grateful for grateful for you to being here, Dan. And also right now, everything in my life, like even the hard shit, and there's some of it, feels so in alignment. And I'm really proud of that. And it's exciting. Um, and so I run an influencer marketing and PR agency. And my question is, what top metrics do you look at? Or what advice do you have for communicating the ROI of a campaign to a client when you don't necessarily have exact trackable links or promo codes. Right. So out of the 60 plus million that we spend, I rarely ever do promo codes. The reason for okay. it is the reason for it is most marketing departments want that because they want that KPI. Mm-hmm. And what they don't realize is if you put in the words on Instagram code discount, 20% off, et cetera, their reach will get throttled. Meaning if you normally get 10,000 likes, you will literally get 500 or 700. Not 10,000 to 7,000, 10,000 to under 1,000. Because the algorithm literally knows to the T, the different keywords like discount, code, link in bio, et cetera. And so I use the example, if Beyonce posted a flyer, Nobody's going to see it. That just doesn't work like that. If she normally gets a million likes, she's going to get 42,000 because it just physically won't get shown to people. And so I always explain to them over and over and over, don't, I don't use codes. I just don't. So can there be a tracking link by your link in bio? Sure. But if you say those things in your captions or even in the video, by the way, if you even say it in the video or the words are on the picture, they still know that too. Scary. And it's it's not a little bit of throttling. It's like, so the main KPIs that I show are reach. I always try to show them the, if I can get a screenshot of the behind the scenes of an Instagram influencer 
or any influencer's page, uh, especially of their posts, I try to show that at all times. If I can show that I sh- and I can show the reach, the likes and comments, they can be faked. There's a lot of times it's just a bunch of their friends in a group pod saying, oh, you're so cute, babe. You know, like a lot of those, those 82 comments are a lot of their friends in a, in a group chat pod or a group pod. And by the way, that's only happened because we were forced to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the algorithm forced yeah. us to do that. It's not that we all want to sit around and Sarah and Monica want to sit there and comment on each other's stuff three times a day. They don't want to. It's just by we have to because we've been forced in the scenario of the algorithm being so frustrating that we're trying to help each other, whether we know each other or not, to help with this stupid algorithm. So mm-hmm. I try I'm very, very blunt with my clients. Like very blunt. Like, hey guys. The comments and likes are, <laughs> you know, that's a very front-facing thing, and that's not what we're basing it on. But everything we do is based on reach. And so if these influencers all have 100,000, 1 million, 400,000, et cetera, this is how what the overall followers is. So let's say they have 26 million followers amongst all these accounts. When they did their post for you on Friday, there was 26 posts with an average reach of 122,000. So 2.6 million people out of 26 million people saw it. You spent X. So this is what the cost per thousand was. This is what your CPM was. And so I do it that way. Is that frustrating to some? Yes, because in their, a lot of marketing departments, they are used to just saying, hey, give everybody a code. And if they got a million followers, they're going to do 20,000 sales, mm-hmm. right? Just 2% of the people click on it. They're going to sell doesn't work like that, right? Right. We have we have a project we just wrapped that with Reach did amazing and the client has never done this before and they're like, well, we're we know email marketing, so we're expecting the same sort of thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. I, I'm very, 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 very blunt with them in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Great. Great that question. Very helpful. Thank you. Great question. Quick follow-up to that. What is the best call to action if you can't put link in bio or discount? Like, is there a good call to action to get them to go check something out? So what's fascinating is five years ago, you needed a call to action. Mm-hmm. Today, people know what to do. If, if I post about Fashion Nova, Monica knows where to go. I don't, she knows, go to fashionnova.com, right? Like, it just knows where to go. I don't have to say, go to fashionnova.com to buy this shirt. I, she knows, it's there. She knows. If I say pretty little thing or boohoo or nasty gal, she knows where to go. And so as long as they know where to go, you don't have to tell them where to go. We don't need that call to action in that sense. They know what to do. If you're pushing the discount, that's the hard part. If you're pushing a discount, your reach is going to get really cut. And I promise you, somebody that was going to buy it is not all of a sudden like, oh, I got 10% off. Blow the doors off. Here I come. Right? The 10% off and 20% off, we're numb to it. We just expect 20% off all the time now. So that's not the thing anymore. It's really just, we want a good product that we know is actually going to show up in a relative time because Amazon has trained us to expect things to come and show up to our places right away. And so as long as you can showcase a good product, like, hey guys, just got Steve Aoki's headphones, blah, 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 blah. I don't have to say, make sure you go to, this is, you know, they know where to go. They know how to buy it. And the website will be on there. And so I just making it simple and easy. Well, that's your call to action. It's just talking about your good product will be your call to action. That makes awesome sense. Um, okay, I saw that Andrea Sager's hand was up, but now it's down. So Andrea, raise it again in case that was an accident. Uh, Stephanie, in the meantime, you are up. 
Yeah. Hi. Thank you for being here. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm Stephanie Gilstrap. And so I have, I'm doing style coaching and my business is relatively new, but I was really interested in hearing your insight on messaging in regards to everything that's happening in the world right now, like in the clothing realm, because things are changing so much. Sure. So one thing that'll be interesting is how to do style coaching for online for zoom. So what's interesting is we are all here right now in our homes and a lot of, some people have gone off the deep end and we just don't care. We wear no pants or sweatpants every single day. And some people, that's just what their life is now, right? At some point that will change and we will come back into reality. And if we don't, people still like to get dressed up, right? And I think we're coming to that point where we've all been locked in for two months now. And we like, we either are going to start dressing up at home or we're going to dress up and go out in either version. People are going to care about fashion. There is still a huge amount of sales in the fashion and beauty space. So it still matters. But I think you could get some fun buzz by talking about uh, style coaching for Zoom. It'd be a fun, like, fun thing to do because we still have another month or two of that, of that happening where it's, we're forced in quarantine. Um, even with the limited release, we're not all back into the wild. We have a limited release right now. Um, but in general, again, diving into the space, making yourself omnipresent, whether it's you or somebody, you know, you have an intern do this, being out there and commenting and interacting on a bunch of the fashion blogs, websites, forums, social media accounts, etc. being active in the space will just get you so noticed, like accidents happen. What I mean by that is there's a girl that I've known well, she started off as a model. You know, I had 50,000 followers doing some Instagram posts, doing some modeling, got to 100,000, wasn't really making much money, but she really cared about doing fashion styling. And so every single fashion shoot she went to, she would bring extra clothes and extra accessories for the other girls at the, at these shoots. And by default, what happens? Those girls started posting about her like, oh my God, thanks, babe. You brought me, you know, and now she's got 800,000 followers and Met her boyfriend there. She's pregnant now. Like, got a job, got a career, got a boy. Like, everything happened from her just being out there in the space and just interacting. And online, she is everywhere. I mean, everywhere. I don't know if she's doing it or not, but she, I just see her name pop <laughs> like on everybody's profile. And so I say that because just being out there and it being clear in your bio what you do and who you've done it for and what you're good at, they will come to you. You just have to be out there everywhere, diving in on all the platforms. Again, you don't have to do it all day long, meaning your normal job or your daytime can be focused on doing what you do. But at like eight o'clock at night, maybe you spend an hour each night or it's 11 o'clock at night or six in the morning, whatever you want, take an hour or two and just embedding yourself in the internet. And why I say that is it puts yourself in a position to get lucky. Meaning you commented on Worldstar and you commented on Kylie and you commented on Fashion Nova and Pretty Little Thing and Boohoo's pages. And then the CEO or the director of marketing sees your name pop up or the photographer, Josh Ryan's like, Hey, I need a new, I need a new stylist. And I got a photo shoot coming up tomorrow. Can you come? Those things just happen just because you're out there in the space. And so those don't cost you anything. It's just a little time, time intensive. And during that process, you're also going to learn a lot and see a lot. So I would recommend kind of what I said earlier about like following all the people that are in the space seeing who they're following, who they're interacting with, who they're working with, 
And it's not to steal their clients, it's to see what's going on in the space. And most of those clients, by the way, they like to work with lots of different people. And so if you see a fashion stylist that's posting about Hermes and this brand and this brand and this brand, but then they also post about a brand that's in your city, well, start following that brand, see who their executives are, follow and interact with them. And just by default, you're not even having to ask for anything at, at the beginning. It's just interacting. They'll notice you. And then when time comes, they're like, hey, we have a shoot this weekend or hey, this is happening. You're just embedded into the space and it costs you nothing. You put yourself in a position to get lucky. Awesome. Thank you so much. So good. All right. We got two left here. You guys' questions rock today. Uh, Andrea, I see that you did raise your hand again. So we'll do you and then Jonathan. Hey, Dan, Andrea. Thanks so much. I'm really grateful to be in a position to help out other family members right now. And I'm also doing somewhat of a give back, um, not cash, but free legal services. So I'm just really grateful to be in that position to do that. Uh, So my question for you is, do you have any tips or strategies for affiliate marketing? So I'm I'm actually launching a new company that is largely affiliate-based for legal-related services because I, as an attorney, I can't pay referral fees for legal services. So, And I plan on doing influencer marketing, but I'm curious if you have any experience or suggestions or any tips for affiliate marketing because our first product is... And it probably everything will be 50% affiliates because the goal with this company is to just filter into the law firm. So the goal with this company is to just not lose money. Yep. So email is always going to be best. Email is always going to convert the highest. So if you can build up an email newsletter that's about content related to a space, especially whether it's influencer or legal related, uh, building up that email newsletter will always be your best, highest conversions. Renting newsletters is also an interesting thing. You can rent newsletters, meaning you can rent other people's emails lists and pay them an affiliate commission in exchange for money. You can find them targeted to your category. So you know that it could convert well, but your risk factor is low because you're not paying any upfront fees for that. Um, Making it easy for people to find your affiliate offer by being on ClickBank, by being on ShareSale or whatever type of platform you want to be on. You can be on multiple of them. But being on ClickBank, for example, you want to make it easy so that people can see and find your affiliate offer and that you're offering to pay such a high amount. As long as you're paying over 30%, people are happy. You pay 50%, they love you, right? They're going to want to push you. And you also want to see if you can get news articles or those type of sites, listicles, that will be affiliates for you also. So there's a lot of times like cleanmass.com, we're in the news today. One of them that we did is actually an affiliate. I didn't realize that they're an affiliate. They signed up through an affiliate link. They're a mainstream publication. I was like, I didn't realize until I clicked it and I saw that they had an affiliate code of my own product, right? And so there's email, there's a, sorry, there's media sites that you can actually get listed on to have them be affiliates for you. Uh, So essentially you want to create, also create content that's shareable. Those sales will come to you without paying any affiliate link. There's a, there's a good attorney that's in the influencer space. I think it's Robert Frude. I'm not sure how to spell it, but I think it's Robert. I want to say Frude or friend. Um, you can see his content. He posts content every day that's influencer-related, contract-related. What happens is influencers share that content and he gets gigs out of it. 
he spoke at the influencer conference with me a couple months ago. He did great. And he's just an, he's an attorney. So he's not able to obviously same situation as you. You can't solicit um, or pay commissions, but by being out there in front of people and people sharing his content, he's got an influx of clients. Thank you. Genius, genius. All right. Last but certainly not least, and in case anybody else has a, a hand up that they've thought of since, no problem. We still have a couple of minutes. Uh, but Jonathan, you're back on, my friend. Hey, thanks. So I wanted to follow up on one of the things you were saying. So you're saying, you know, don't mention link in your bio or promo code or things like that. So if we want people not going to Amazon or directly to a website to purchase something, we want them going through this affiliate, you know, page that we have set up for the influencer. What is it? Is it mostly swipe up? Or are you putting a link in a comment? How would you then get them to not go to the maybe traditional source so that the influencer is making a piece of sure. it? So in that scenario, you, you can't put the link in the comment on Instagram because it's not clickable yet. Mm-hmm. One day they'll get smart and they'll actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they don't do it because they don't want people to leave their website. It's a very strange thing that Instagram thinks and Facebook thinks that if somebody leaves, they're not coming back. It's not how it works. We're all coming home. We're going to be there. <laughs> Come, babe, I'm coming home. I'm going to be back on Instagram. I'll be back on Facebook. I'm not, not leaving. And so... They, they're still in that thought process. Like I, The same reason Twitter doesn't allow you to show things from Instagram on Twitter. They think, oh my God, if they leave, that's it. They're never coming back. Not how it works. If you need them to go to a link like that, then you do need the link in bio to be that link. And you can sometimes say link in bio, just knowing that your engagement will be less on those. And, but you have to have that link in your bio in that sense because you can't put it in the in the comments. On the swipe ups, the biggest thing that's important is do not make a 15-second Instagram story that says swipe up and then expect everything to happen in 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Our brains don't process that fast. I'm listening to Chris Harder say, hey, I got these great doggy bow ties. I'm so excited. Both the dogs love them. They're so cool. Just make sure there's only $9.95, blah, blah, blah. Swipe up. Well, we were all listening to how cool it is, what it is. I've never seen this before. So how am I supposed to know what it is? I haven't made that decision. And it's a big decision to leave Instagram. Right? I'm not making that decision in 14.4 seconds. It's not happening. And so the reason that a lot of influencers mess up and a lot of people in general mess up is they say everything about what they want to in 15 seconds and not use the other 15 seconds or the 30 more seconds to really explain it and have each one be a swipe up. Perfect. Thank you. Quick attachment. When you're talking about stories, it made me think of this. How do we boost story views? Are there any tricks there? I feel like those are really tough. So story views have gone down a lot these last few months. Yeah. And again, they're testing stuff that's absolutely silly. And so there's not much you can do besides telling people that you're doing stuff in your stories. Whether that's giveaways, whether that's in, in extra content, whether that's, hey, every Monday I'm doing this. Telling people that it's happening, giving that a bit of consistency will help a little bit. But in general, it's just making it so you're not the boy who cried wolf. What I mean by that is, if you put up 38 Instagram stories today, I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm not watching the next day or the next day. Because if you showed me you walking down the street, you walking up to a door, and then you walk in to see your friend, I'm probably not there by the time you met your friend. right? By the time you got into Monica's place, I'm not with you anymore because you showed me the street, and you showed me the, the, door, you know, the light post, and you showed me the door in the mailbox, and then I see Monica, I'm probably not there anymore. Because I'm 45 seconds or 60 seconds into it, 
and I don't have that time, right? I'm just clicking through or swiping away because what the heck am I looking at? I don't want to look at a street. I don't want to look at a mailbox. So think about what you don't want to look at or what you wouldn't care about and don't post that. Great advice. Love that. Okay. Uh, one last question will be Melissa. Melissa, go ahead. Okay. So I want to um, ask you about text message marketing because it's the one thing that you haven't talked about at all. And I'm just curious because when you were sharing with Andrea, you were talking about email has the highest open rates and whatnot. And I know that I'm seeing text message marketing becoming a, a much bigger strategy. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you seeing it how are you seeing that play out across the different social media platforms as another way to actually have a call to action as opposed to like the swipe up and the links and all that stuff? Sure. So text messages by far have a bigger open rate. They're at 98%. It's insane, right? We all open up our text messages. However, having a platform to do it on, like community app, I use community, same thing, Gary Vee, Ed Milet, Chris, everybody uses community app. Problem is, they had a 65,000 person waiting list to get a phone number months ago. So I can't even imagine what it's at now. 120. 120,000 person waiting list. That's insane, right? And so using a platform that works and is good is important. Not enough people have the phone numbers. So that's why I don't talk about it because it does have the highest open rate. It's just not easy to get a number. Now, if you can get a number, that's step one. Having that number permanently in your bio on every platform will help. And having reasons for people that want to have that phone number in their phone. So one is making good content saying, Hey, I'm doing exclusive content via my phone number, 555, blah, 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 blah. Hey, I'm doing a giveaway this Friday. Like I did a giveaway for 100millionacademy.com. I was giving away 1,000 people to get a free month and 100 people to get a free year. I had 2,900 people text me. I ended up giving it all to them. I just gave it all to 2,900 people because it's fun, right? But I didn't expect 2,900 people to sign up for something when I only did one post. However, I now have those people that I can text with and they're actually interactive. But you have to be careful because what happens is people try to do that. They get that text thing. They get those phone numbers. And then it's an ad and an ad and an ad. You know what happens when somebody does that? <laughs> I'm out, right? I'm not just out, but I'm out forever. I don't want to hear from Melissa anymore because she sent me an ad about these freaking bow ties every single day. I get it. I get it, right? If you're getting their phone numbers to text them, it has to be because you're texting them content. You're making video content. You're sending them a meme. You're keeping it fun. Like You're keeping interactive with them. And then you talk about your dog bow ties. Or then you talk about your fitness content. So good. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, uh, the best way that we can thank Dan is by taking a quick screenshot and tagging him with one takeaway, not just, hey, thanks for doing it, but something that he taught you, something that um, you're grateful for and just showing him some love on social media by edifying him. Dan, in addition to that, is there anything else that we can share for you, do for you, help you out with as a, as a team? Um, I just want people to go do stuff. That's what I really care about. Like, Just go you know, replicate your own version of Model Citizen Fund. Replic- you know, like just Taking the things that you're learning from Chris and Lori and from people on your space, like from the other members, like and just actually executing it, that's the best thing you can do for me or anybody. Like it's just like you're in these scenarios where you're getting to learn from people that are really, really, really deep in the space and caring. And when you get it, it's it's fun to write it down, but it's way more fun to execute on it. Yeah, I love it, man. One more quick gift. Just like when you came to speak to Mastermind, we didn't talk about this priorly, but 
Uh, I would like to make a $2,500 donation to Model Citizens Fund. I'll do it the minute I hang up. I know it's not an indication of the value of your time. It's just a, a simple, small token of, of appreciation because I love the way you show up with generosity in your time, in your giving, in everything else, and, and know how grateful we are, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And let me know if you want me to send those backpacks to you or if you want me to donate them directly. Oh, I'll let you, I'll let you handle the logistics. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Just uh, to everybody, thank you for being on. Thank you for being a part of our tribe. And Dan, thank you a million times over, my friend. I owe you one. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.